Uh, peace, what up, y'all? I'm DL Chandler, senior editor of I1 Digital Men's Division. That's Hip Hop Variety Cashes. What's up, y'all? Peace, and this is the Witness to Hip Hop History Podcast. Uh, we put this podcast together because we just wanted to basically give flowers to a bunch of uh, underrepresented, underrepresented artists in hip hop that we love. 50 years of hip hop is a long time. That means that there's a lot of rappers out there, a lot of MCs that not only paved the way, that just made their mark in the game. And, you know, as you celebrate the 50th anniversary, you're just not going to be able to get to everybody. So we just wanted to make sure that we spotlight some of our favorites. And one of the things about, you know, it being 50 years for me, the significance of it all is that 50 years, it's not a long time. You know, there's other music genres out there that have been around longer, uh, but few cultures and music scenes have had the impact that hip hop has. And for us to be able to like document this and be a true witness to history is uh, truly an honor for me and Alvin both, you know, so thank you all for tuning in and letting us enrapture you all with our tales and our journey with hip hop. Yeah, that's that's definitely a dope point that 50 years is really nothing. This was still, you know, this is the game is still a baby, really. And to see that, you know, hip hop's imprint is in everything, whether it's politics, culture, uh, the globe. So to know that that started in the Bronx and now it's touching everything and it's still here, still growing. And that us, us too, as you know, people that are part of the culture and seeing the culture grow and um, always wanted to put our stamp on it by just covering it and making sure it's covered the right way, correctly documented authentically uh that's very important so it's a beautiful thing to see as well and i mean again you know just to add to that point that aqua just made um you know one one thing that i always remark upon when i'm thinking about hip-hop culture uh especially in the music because honestly i have to be honest with you and, and the listeners and the viewers i don't really play much of anything else like i honestly don't listen to other music really um i feel like hip-hop as a culture and as a music is so vast and wide and so global that you could spend just years in one section of the world and never get enough. You'll never, you'll still never hear all of it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And at the rapid rate that is produced these days, you know, with the uh, streaming um, services and Bandcamp and folks on SoundCloud and you name it, however people are doing it, what is DIY, major label, independent, there are so many ways to access and, you know, really get a hold of hip hop. So for us, you know, those of us who cover, you know, cover it as journalists and writers and editors or what have you, um, we have a great grand overview of what hip hop is. But also too, I think the cool thing is that, you know, like anybody else, we're also participants in a way, you know, whether it's making music, trying to do beats, you know what I mean? Trying to scratch mm -hmm. in a table. And I don't know about you, Aqua, but even try your hand at break dancing, you know what I mean? But all of these things because of you know, this, this culture, this young culture as it is, it still hits us in this real big way. And I just, I still, I'm in love with it, you know, and I, I can't see me listening to anything, anything else, you know, as far as I, I can see it. And even though I do like R&B and soul and jazz and reggae and all that, hip hop is where it's at for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say, yeah, hip hop is definitely my main, main focus, but also at the same time, I, I definitely got to credit hip hop for just opening my mind to other genres, right? Just because of the, um, in college, I was a DJ, so naturally I gravitated toward the producers, the production, the sampling, looking at the credits. And from that, it just opened me up to jazz, funk, R&B. So to the point where I was collecting records to, just to have like that same sample that the producer might have flipped that I could throw maybe in the mix at a party or something. So I have all types of Parliament Funkadelic records or I have Coltrane records. I have 
um, Bird Records because of um, DJ Premier, the way he flipped um, Night in Tunisia. So, you know, while, while hip hop is my foundation, it definitely just opened me up to to so much more. You know, you're naturally gonna you're gonna hear James Brown and be like, oh wait, Kane sampled that. You know right. what I mean? Or um, countless other samples throughout the day, but. It just, while hip hop is the base, it definitely just expanded my mind to everything. And um, yeah, I got I got to give, give credit due for that. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I want to kind of shift the conversation a little bit and let's talk about hip hop at 50. You know, um, I think historically we both know as people who cover this culture that hip hop official start, at least the, the start that's universally agreed upon was August 11th, 1973. Right. Uh, Cedric, Cedric Ave, um, New York. Um, we, I think the story could be told again, but we'll, I'll try to be brief about it. You know what I mean? We understand that um, Grandmaster um, Cool Herc was um, he, he his sister had a party uh, that she wanted, you know, her her her, big, her brother to spend some records at. You know what I mean? So it was a, a community hall at the bottom of an apartment building. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Fifteen twenty Sedgwick Ave. You know. So. Um, they, they wanted to have a party and here's cool hurt you know just trying to spend some breaks for the break boys and the break girls out there you know trying to find the break trying to find the right part of the groove during the disco records and the soul records at the time mm -hmm. and turning it to a party so hip-hop started in in many ways as a party it was literally yeah. a gathering of young minds young souls letting loose their frustrations and celebrating life you know and you know, even to this day, hip hop still embodies those those facets, those tenets. But yeah, um, you know, talk to me a bit about your 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 journey back to those times. I mean, we weren't born; we were young back then. What least I was, yeah. <laughs> and um, and just talk about like just the significance of that and being a New Yorker because I'm I'm from DC, so I'm looking up to this. And you're right there. Talk yeah, to me yeah. about that, man. Yeah, I mean, you know. Was big man because you know I was um I was born in Honduras but I came here when I was a year old so I was raised in the Bronx so I'm a Bronx head right so you know coming up in the Bronx that's gonna be Boogie Down Production Slick Rick um and I, I lived on 174th Street across the 174th Street Bridge was Bronx River Projects and that's the home of you know Bambada Zulu Nation um so hip hop was just everywhere it was just around one of my earliest memories is um I think I was in kindergarten. And um, this is early, early, like this is when um, the artists had their black, the graffiti writers had their black books in the black books. There was like, B, they would draw B-boys. So like this, this one of my friends forgot his name, might've been Omar or something like that. Um, his brother was nice with the with the art. So he'd draw like, like graffiti style caricatures of, of He-Man and Orko and B-boys, like a B-boy band. So that's when I first got B-boys in my mind right and then just just the sounds coming out the window hearing um my melody hearing the fresh and the get fresh crew to show um and this is my music you know what i mean like this was this was um it, it it almost like catered to me so and then after that probably the next memory is probably video music box running home making sure at 3 30 that you was in front of the tv so you could see ralph mcdaniels basically curate what was the dope stuff you know what i'm saying like um and then, yeah, man, like I took it, I almost take it for granted that it was literally everywhere. Like Just Ice, he went to my barber. So like, I'd be waiting for my barber for my turn, Just Ice to roll up. Like, yo, you Just Ice? Like, yeah, sure, I'm Just Ice. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was just, it was just in me. And then as far as documenting it, it was just reading like magazines like Word Up or Write On for the photos. 
and then my maybe reading in other outlets when they started touching on talking about rap and hip hop, how they just get it wrong. I mean, I'd be like, yo, what do you I'd read it, I'd be like, yo, what are they talking about? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why I'd had to I had to wait for like the Harry Allens or or um those early writers, the the Nelson Georges to really document it correctly. Um, but it just took a while. So I was like, you know, eventually I was like, you know what, I gotta I gotta participate. I gotta I gotta speak on it from my perspective. Yeah, I you know, for me, you know, like I said, I grew up in the DC area and you know, as you might well know, you know, going to school down in you know in the south, the music that really ruled my part of the world was global music, you know, mm -hmm. which truthfully is just an offshoot of funk and soul music, but yeah. we also was an offshoot of hip hop, you know. In many ways, we're we were influenced by the rapping style of the north or what have you. Um, but the truth is is that around the late 70s and early 80s disco funk and soul that was the soundtrack of dc really you know what i mean and global music too as well as the cultural sound of dc so you gotta think i'm a young young boy in the 80s right hearing you know hip-hop beats for the first time not understanding quite what's happening what was happening you know because there was this this syncopated rhythm boom, 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 you know whatever right whatever the beat is right and someone rhyming rhythmically on, on, on beat right. or top of the beat. There was something about that that, you know, as a young man, you know, as a young kid, it blew my mind. I'm like, someone literally is rapping, rather rhyming words on beat yeah. to a beat, to a sample, to a loop, with a hook, with scratches. All of those things were like, you could do that? That's a way to make money? That's a way to make art? Um, yeah. it, it was hard for me to kind of like reconcile it because my parents were musicians, right? And they did funk and soul, right? They were singers, you know, singing was big in my, my family's houses, you know, both houses, right? My mom and my dad's side, it was all about the music and like, you know, the music that I fell in love with, the hip hop, it wasn't seen as a, you know, a, a viable way to make art. Like my, my dad and my mom would call it jungle music, you know what I mean? And then even in the hood that I grew up in, people would be like, man, get that New York stuff out of here. This is when the DC New York beef was like kind of heavy. You know what I mean? Always, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was you know, when, when uh, the drug epidemic started to become a thing and there was wars up and down the East Coast. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I kind of wanted to say that because for me, even though I wasn't a New Yorker, I wasn't a, a, a true Northerner, um, I was straight mid-Atlantic, but there was something about hip-hop music that just attracted my, my ear and my heart. And I remember going to The Wiz and Kent Mill Records, if, for those who mm -hmm. might remember that, and yeah, later yeah. on our records and all these things i consumed so much of it you go to my mom's house right now and look in look at the storage unit it's nothing but tapes 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 vinyl 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 i bought everything every tuesday remember that day remember those days and, yeah, and yeah. I, oh, music only came out on tuesdays not every day like it does now right uh, back then you had to sit with an album for years you know a single mm -hmm. for weeks you know what i mean yeah I, like today so for me the way that i like fell in love with the art, also fell in love with the craftsmanship of it. I started to try to do it myself, you know, as a young man, I ran with a crew, but even, even then I still was met with that resistance from people who were like true go-go heads and whatnot. I like go-go music too. I love it actually, but yeah. there's nothing like hip hop music. And even to this day, man, I, I still find new wrinkles uh, in the sound, whether it's the young boys on the, you know, doing the drill thing, but tone it down on the violence and we'll get to that. But, but then even the fact that sampling has improved, production has improved, styles of rhyming has have improved. You know, it's 
there's so many lanes of hip hop and you know we can wax poetic about all the different expressions of hip hop but it's really right now it's still innovating it's still it's still elevating you know what i mean yeah yeah that you know you shout out gogo that reminds me like i really got my first i kind of really like i always knew that you know hip hop was beyond new york city um just because uh i was a big outcast fan i just remember that uh i was rocking nazilmatic and um just as heavy i was rocking outcast southern playlist to cadillac music but it really hit me when i went to school i went to school at university of virginia um you know that's down charlottesville about two hours from the dmv um and when i got to school i was like Yo, i'm gonna be a dj i'm gonna be a dj so you know once you once you djing for all these kids from different parts of the nation you learn real quick you can't i can't be like y'all from new york i'm only playing new york stuff nah they're looking at me crazy like yo man where's the go-go where's the backyard so i'm like all right all right so like i was playing it so much like i had to get you know what I'm saying? Like, i had to get into that backyard that that rare essence you know really appreciate not even realizing that the whole time when i was rocking the eu's the butt that was a go-go joint you know what i'm saying like a lot of New Yorkers didn't realize that that was like straight up go-go legends so you know it's just a beautiful thing how um just hip-hop could just bring so many different people together you know what i'm saying like and and because you know us as black people we're way different you already know like you're in dc a cat from baltimore he got he's on a whole different wave like i didn't realize i was like yo why these dc and baltimore cats got so much beef like y'all literally like 45 minutes away you know what i'm saying and they're like and then even new york and philly like totally different language totally different aesthetics and vibes you know so but at the same time we all rock and hip-hop we all can appreciate what we bring to what flavor we are our individual um parts of the world bring to the game so yeah well i um i kind of want to get into like you know our my, my first foray into hip-hop like well, my first record that i bought and i could tell you i remember it mm-hmm. um my first piece of music that i bought that was hip-hop was Red DMC's Sucker MC. And I bought it with my own money from cutting grass in the hood in Marlowe Heights, Maryland. All right. That's where I got. I went to the Wiz. And as soon as I got my little $10 for cutting my neighbor's yard, and mm-hmm. I got the vinyl. Sucker mm-hmm. MC. Sucker right MC's? Okay. Sucker MC's. It was my first time hearing uh, Red DMC too. And I, I'm going to tell you, you, you know the song. You can hear it in your head right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A legendary song. Um, it's bombastic it was bold it was these two dudes just with different voices and different styles yeah, just yeah talking over this really hard rhythm that it didn't make sense it wasn't anything musical like like melodic about it, it was hard it was drums it was rhyming and i to this day i can still hear when i play that record to this day sucker mcs to this day it still gives me the same chills man that it did back in the yeah, 80s yeah. it yeah. opened my mind up to everything and then i um so from that point on, I just became like hooked to hip hop. Like every Tuesday, I'm in the record store buying records. You know, spending my last at some point. Sometimes I'd even eaten, like saving my lunch money. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you know, I kind of benefited. That benefited me because our school lunches were whack. But, but <laughs> um, I would save my lunch money weeks on end just to buy records. Man, I was so hooked to it, man. And yeah. I remember like around '87. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. 
only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Eighty-seven, Public Enemy, um, Rebel Without a Pause. Um, there was a radio show back in the eighties that played on AM stations. Um, I, I can't think of the guy's name to save my life, but it was a hip hop station that played nothing but New York stuff, Philly stuff, and I remember hearing Rebel Without a Pause, and that. That was when I really became like thousand percent hooked to hip hop. I I never looked back from that point on. In fact, that's when I really dove into it. From like '87 on, it was it, it I I couldn't stop buying. I bought everything, even if it was like not my scene. I was just buying everything, consuming it all. You know what I mean? I don't do that now, mm-hmm. of course, with, with, with your streaming services. But back then, crazy, yeah. I was buying everything. You know what I mean? So '87 yeah. on. That's really when I I really it turned the corner for me and and it didn't as you might know and as you, of course you do know every year after the eighties late eighties you know the culture kept elevating and, and yeah. changing and um, you know just for me my my first from suck MC to like Public Enemies Rebel Rod the Pause was such a significant moment for me one I was growing up with the music I was still a teenager you know what I mean and then becoming a man, you know, you know, as I, as I, you know, going into my manhood, you know what I mean? All these things were in my brain informing me, you mm-hmm. know, motivating me, inspiring yeah. me even in a way, you know what I mean? These are black, the black art form, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Hip-hop is back, a black art form, you know? Yeah. And back, back then, not to even cut you, not to cut you off, like back oh, then yeah. it was, it was, a, it was small, right? Like right. you could literally buy all the hip hop records because there was right. only but so many of them. There was only so many on wax. And and at the same time, like there were a lot of R and B heads or uh, or regular heads that would look at you crazy when you told them you like rap music. Be like, oh, you listen to that rap stuff? Like, yo, get out of here! Like, so you can't even imagine that now. But back then, like, you know, we were like, we were almost the weirdos because it was like, yo, like this is dope. Like, you couldn't hear it during the day. Like, it, it wasn't on TV besides like video music box. If it was on radio, at, it would be at night or be on a small AM station or a college station. So you had to literally go out and search for it. While now you just walk outside and it's right there. Back then, like if you were a fan, like you really had to dig deep and almost research it every day because you wanted that that new that new record. You know what I'm saying? You wanted to see what else Run DMC had in store. You wanted to see, you know, who this guy Chuck D is with the crazy voice and this dude Flavor Flav, mm-hmm. and then they drop Yo Bum Rush the show, and it's like, yo, like, like, like that that era you talking about, man? Like, I like same way you get chill. You so say you get chill. So do I. Like when I think about. Like Kane, when I think about Slick Rick, I think about G Rap. All this stuff is dropping back to back to back. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I like, I almost get why people get like, yo, get off my, get off my lawn with hip hop, because it's like, yo, when you think about about that, it's like, how could you really compete? But we'll get to that later because they all cast now that could compete with that. But, but that that was just a crazy time, man. It's just back to back to back, like, yeah, you, right. You Some people would say, right. My bad, I me cut you off, bro. Um, oh, now I was going to say, like, you know, it's funny you mentioned that period of time too, because if you speak to a lot of hip hop fans, they always hearken to the golden era, right? Mm-hmm. And the golden era for some starts from '87 to like '92. Right. You know what I mean? And if you think about it, some of the music that came out during that time is definitely significant. You know, we got De La Soul's debut, we got mm-hmm. Big Daddy Kane's solo debut, proper solo debut. We got, you know, G-Rap was at the height of his game. Slick Rick was at the height of his powers. You know what I mean? Um, Public Enemy. You know, there was so there was so much innovation happening 
at that moment. And when you drop, I mean, let's take it back a little um, uh, earlier. LL Cool J. Right. Maybe rap's first universal superstar, you know what I mean? At least as, as a soloist, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I can't front, I need love, but... Yeah, <laughs> but but yo, like LL was that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I say to now, I say to anyone to this day, LL has some of the most impactful moments in hip hop. I mean, Mama said knock you out to this day, still yeah. bangs yeah. just as hard as it did in 1990. Yeah. You know, like, now, I hear that song right now, and I can say every word and whatever feeling I felt back then, so many years yeah. ago, I still feel now. Yeah. So when yeah. you, the high mark back then, from like I say, 87 to 92, that that high marker moment. You know afrocentricity you know there was like you know pro-black messages and like x clan and all that kind of stuff you know mm -hmm. what i mean um prince paul with the samples and the loops you know there was just so yeah. much going on at it's almost time. like if you dropped in you had to you had to innovate you had to you had to come with something next to compete with what came before you, you right i'm saying like I, and like i remember um recently um when day lap soul with dave has rest in peace dave from day lap soul I was talking about how, like, yo, when they were making um, Three Feet High and Rising, like, they were listening to Slick Rick, Great Adventures of Slick Rick. Now, you put those two records next to each other, they don't sound nothing alike. So, but still, like, you almost forget, like, yo, Daylight really did come out back then from that era. And they had to, they had to innovate or else it'd be like, yo, I'll just listen, keep listening to Slick Rick. You had okay. to bring something extra to the game or else nobody would care. You know what I mean? Right. It was one of those things for me, too, in hip-hop that because of the competition and the level of like artistry that was coming out, ooh, my bad. It, it, back then, the level of artistry that was coming out um, in hip hop in the late 80s was just so next level. Even to this day, I mean, cats today really, I mean, they could compete. I'm not gonna front. Like sonically, mm -hmm. you know, we have a lot more innovation sonically, but lyrically, yeah. back then they were doing things with their voices. I mean, yeah. say, say, say what you will about Dallas Effect, say what you will about the diggity style, right? When you right. first heard it, you heard nothing like it, right? Every, everybody jacked it. Everybody, everybody jacked it. That's saying right. something. Even 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 Jay Z was jacking that flippity thingy exactly. stuff. So, you know exactly. Yeah. You think about all those like, and sometimes I, I laugh at myself because I would. I'm not going to say any group names because I'm, I don't want to put anybody under the bus, right? But there, there's a lot of groups that did come out in the '90s that were kind of whack. You know, I ain't go front. Right. And yeah. then a lot of biting. You know, I um. There was one famous West Coast group that was kind of quirky, and then another group did the same thing on the East Coast. And you know, there's all these I know exactly. sports, uh, many times over. People mm -hmm. were biting X Clan. I mean, it was like it's yeah. if you were go back then, you had biters, you had imitators, and while it's flattering for me, it kind of made the game kind of whack because I kept saying, "Well, where's the new? Who's being right. new? Who's being different?" And that's what you know, like when the '90s came around, when Wu Tang came, and I know. You and I both share deep love of Wu-Tang. Mm -hmm. 92, 93, when Wu-Tang came, they blew the lid off of everything. And that was, the, to me, after 90, uh, 87 to 92, 87, mm -hmm. 92 was a high mark, but mm -hmm. 93 was one of the most important moments in hip-hop because when Wu came through and did what they did as a crew and as a collective, we haven't seen it since. Not even Boot Camp. Had, I mean, and I love Boot Camp. In fact, right. they're very dope. Hieroglyphics are dope. Out of yeah. those, they're dope. They're all contemporaries too. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But no one, native tongues. No yeah. big crew did it quite like Wu Tang did. I, I mean, I don't, yeah. I'm not putting those other crews down, but '93 mm -hmm. was another high mark moment for hip hop. 
and yeah. Wu-Tang Clan is a, a big part of that. You know what I mean? And I know you, um, you're an author. You, you've done some work um, researching um, the Wu-Tang. You know, I, I would love to hear your, your thoughts about your, your first time experience at Wu-Tang, man. Because I can tell you mine. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think mine was um, um, DJ K. Capri playing um, Protect Your Neck. I think it was he was on um, WBLS at the time. Um, mm. you know, we all know DJ Capri. Shout out to DJ Capri, who we had an episode with, and um, yeah, he played Protect Your Neck, and it was just like, yo, what is this? I'm saying then, then you saw the, then I saw the video maybe like a week later, a week or two later. The video was ill, it was like real like bootleg black and white joint. But you know, Cass came with the bars, you know, you immediately looked at yo, the old dirty bastard, math. Um, inspected that definitely stood out. But when I think of Wu Tang now, I think of it as they were like the reaction to um, Dr. Dre and Snoop kind of taking over the game, right? Like, because you know, I remember when um, when Video Music Box played uh, Deep Cover with Snoop. And that was the you know the first appearance of Snoop. The next day, everybody was like, "Yo, you hear that Deep Cover joint? Like this, this Snoop dude is ill." You know what I'm saying? Like. DOC, them cats suddenly had cats in New York wearing LA King stuff. Like, yo, you're in New York City, what you know about the LA Kings? You know what I'm saying? But like, it, they, they were just that dope. This is a West Coast dude. So I know Rizzo was looking at them like, yo, dude, we, we got we got to do our thing. And like, he came kind of like the opposite side. This was like real, like stripped down, gutter stuff. His, his samples were ill. The MCs were ill. When you listen to Enter the Wu-Tang, that's something like, what, 12 tracks, maybe like 11, 10 songs. Right. But all of them had impact and all of them like just set off all types of solo albums and that just that's just a testament to to his genius like to this day riz is probably like my my favorite producer just because of what he was able to do with the wu-tang kind because you got these brothers got their own personalities they're trying to do their own thing you know what i'm saying like they talk all that about how yeah you know we we had to move as a clan as a family yeah they did but you know with family things get hectic family argue they fight but Rizzo was still able to keep these cats together for at least like a good like four or five years. Really like yo, locking in, and like you said, just just shifted the game. It was like the next level after that. Right at the end of that golden era, they came in and kind of kept New York relevant, really, and then had and inspired the rest of the nation to like yo, we gotta we gotta compete with these cats now. Right. It was a I think my you know when I first heard um, Protect Your Neck and um, Met Them Man the back the, the B side of the single. <laughs> Uh, I saw it same same with you. I, I I ran across it one day in passing. I think I was in a barbershop in Northwest DC, and, and I and I remember hearing the the first opening bars of Protecting Your Neck, and I just remember saying, "What in the hell is that?" Right, and I right. it stopped me. It stopped me. It literally stopped me. Like I I was literally about to go do something else, but I I was frozen, and I listened mm. to every bar. No hook, really. No hook. You know, just straight bars, and that was mm-hmm. like something that. As somebody who had, at that point, started to dabble in rhyming himself, it was something that we did with my friends. Like, we would be in my mom's basement, you know, rhyming all night, freestyling all night. And I was like, that would never translate to wax. To hear, hear these guys doing that very thing yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. cipher on wax. And it was, like, mind-blowing to me that someone could do that. Yeah. And to, to have and that power. Rewindable too. Because you know, a lot of cats they'll do that, but you ain't gonna you ain't gonna want to listen to it again. These guys you want to oh. hit like hold up and then play that verse again. Play that oh. verse again, you know. No. It was too many standout moments of protect your neck and Wu Tang period. I mean, they just had so much talent in that one collective, and the fact that they were able to expand globally and they still have impact to this day, they still resonate to this day. I mean, they're still torn to this day. I mean, that's just a testament to how not only dope they are, but how dope they still are. 
You know what I mean? And that's really what, what you know what you know what this history is all about. We're talking about celebrating these people and their innovations that we're going to keep doing that as long as we can do it. You know, and um, I, I skipped over a pretty significant part, you know, of, of hip hop, but I'm sorry to do that. I never want to disrespect NWA because without NWA, we yeah. would not have none of this. You know, I guess you could say this power shift between the West and the East.